Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so your participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. McKinley Wright breaks a tackle, touchdown, touchdown, that's five for Chris Brown. The defensive Tomlinson, Colorado is going to the NCAA tournament. Stewart with time, lets it go, he's got three people down there, the ball's up in the air. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today we are starting our spring camp previews. So the way that this is going to work is basically we're going to pick a different position every, uh, not every podcast, but about twice a week up until the start of spring camp, which is March 30th. Um, that's a, what was that? Is that Wednesday maybe? Let me double check that. Yep, Wednesday, March 30th. So we've got basically the month of March plus today, the last day of February, to run through all of that. Um, I'm excited. For those of you who haven't heard, I guess I might as well pass this along too. The spring game is Saturday, April 23rd. So if you're trying to get down here for that or whatever, there you go. There's the date there. Um, Yeah, so we're going to run through, like I said, all the different position groups and... You know, I've been thinking about how to put these in order, and today I figured we'd start with the running backs um, for a couple reasons. First of all, because it's um, it's a pretty simple group, right? Um, you, you have the, the couple of running backs from last year who return. You add a freshman uh, in Victor Venn. You add a transfer in Ramon Jefferson, um, but for the most part, this is a simple one, and Basically, like every time you go back and rewatch these games and look at these guys, you you learn more and more, not just about the guys you watch, but about everybody else. And so I figured first time through, start with the running backs because then maybe you pick up a thing or two about the offensive linemen or the tight ends or the receivers. And then by the time you get to those guys where there's a lot more to talk about, there's at least a little bit of a background. I don't think you guys care all that much about why we picked the order. And so let's just dig in. So. There are 
five running backs on the roster who will have scholarships for this season. Those five are seniors, Alex Fontenot and Ramon Jefferson, a junior, Dion Smith, sophomore, Jaylee Stacks, and true freshman, Victor Venn. Uh, everybody's used their redshirt year except for Jaylee Stacks and Victor Venn. Uh, so, I think in a vacuum, of course, you you love the idea of giving the, the redshirt year to Victor Venn, but with how thin the buffs are at running back, that just might not be a possibility. Uh, so, I think, first of all, I just want to run through these guys and talk about strengths and weaknesses and that sort of stuff, and then, then we can get into some more big-picture things with this group in the second half of the podcast. Um, and we can start with Alex Fontenot. So... Alex Fontenot, he's been around Boulder for quite a while now. I mean, redshirt senior plus a COVID year in there. Uh, this will be his sixth year in the program. Pretty crazy to think about. Um, but it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Didn't play all that much early on in his career. Redshirted the 2017 season. Um, didn't play much at all in 2018 season. Wound up with 11 carries for 43 yards. And a touchdown, um, four yards per carry. I mean, that's solid. But from there, he jumped from, I think, the third running back. Yeah, he would have been the third running back on those teams. Uh, teams dominated by the top two, of course. Um, and, and then gone straight to the number one back, where he was responsible for about two-thirds of the, the workload in 2019. Uh, this is, remember, Mel Tucker's season. He runs about 185 times, 874 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, five touchdowns. Um, he also had 122 receiving yards, wound up four short of 1,000 yards for, from scrimmage. And in that season, obviously, that was kind of the first real look we got at Alex Fontenot. Uh, there, were, there were things to like. Uh, the contact balance in particular is probably his best trait. Either that or maybe his vision. I think that that would be another option. He has a little bit of, a, a, a little bit of wiggle when he hits the hole. And that combined with the contact, contact balance meant that, first of all, he broke quite a few tackles. But also, he... Whenever he went down, it seemed like he was picking up significant extra yardage. Like, it wasn't like he fell forward and you're like, oh, another extra yard. But he, he a lot of times when he went down, he would kind of stumble to the ground. And he'd take a couple extra steps before he went down. And I think that that's probably what separated him from a pretty average, you know, zone, inside zone type running back that, that does lack the top end speed. Um, the guy who would probably put up about four yards per carry to a guy who had that little extra juice that got him to 4.7. You know, that's that's what separated him. Just, you know, running through some of the advanced stats there, um, five running backs in the conference forced more missed tackles than Alex Fontenot did. Um, Zach Moss, who went to the Buffalo Bills. Eno Benjamin, who went to the Cardinals. Christopher Brooks, who... Oh, nope, nope, I have no idea who that is. Chris Brooks. There was another Chris from Cal who was good, but uh, Cameron Scarlett, who was the big backup there uh, at Stanford, uh, Josh Kelly, who went to the Chargers, uh, a bunch of good backs were the five backs in front of him, and again, all, all these guys left after the season. He was one of the most established in the conference. Um, in terms of yards per carry of, of that group, only Zach Moss did better um, in, in that season. Um, I think the yards after contact 
Uh, he was ninth behind a couple more big backs. And actually, Salvin Ahmed, who you might remember from Washington, a little speed back, uh, he was in front of him. C.J. Vardell was in front of him, who is still around now. He, I think he's headed to the draft this year, but a very physical runner. Didn't force as many missed tackles as uh, uh, Alex Fontenot did in that season. Um, again, just to, to kind of emphasize the, the type of runner, 146 of Alex Fontenot's rushing attempts were in zone schemes, 37 in gap schemes. So again, you really see they're, they're relying on his vision. They aren't telling him where to go. They're letting him read things for himself. Uh, on top of that, according to Pro Football Focus, one of the best pass-blocking backs in the entire conference. Uh, they had him as number two in terms of guys who actually played significant snaps behind Cameron Scarlett. Um, in terms of receiving... Yards per out run, nothing all that great. You look at him as a pass protector. Um, he actually tied for fourth in 15-plus yard runs in the conference, which, again, I think is kind of notable considering we put him in the box of being more of that four, five, six yards per carry type of guy but never breaking the big one, and that's why his yards per carry still remains in that zone that you're looking for. Um, that's... I guess we can look at more and more. They do the elusiveness rating, which factors in some different things. Um, this is... We shouldn't have done this. This is a little bit more confusing than I expected. We'll skip that. The answer is, he was good. He was nothing special. He was above average, though, in terms of elusiveness. So there you go. Um, there, There's kind of like a look at why people were rightfully excited about an Alex Fontenot coming back... Uh, after after starting that 2019 season. And you remember, after that 2019 season, that's when the, the competition was between him and Ashad Clayton and Jaron Mangum. And it was supposed to be one of those three guys takes that starting job, with Mangum being the least likely, considering that it was about a 2-1 to split in favor of Alex Fontenot in 2019. Um, but could Ashad Clayton come in and stir things up? Could Ashad Clayton come in and take that starting job from Alex Fontenot? Um, or could he at least take that, that short yardage job from Jaron Mangum, you know, goal line stuff, third and short stuff? The answer was that he could not, um, but that that really wasn't how things played out. You know, we, we spent all that season or offseason trying to figure out what these running backs would look like, and we didn't expect anything close to what happened because what happened was well first of all COVID hits so you don't get spring ball the the fall practices are cut short during those fall practices Alex Fontenot uh, has a hip injury that, that keeps him out for the entire season and I've talked to him about it he said that he he was close to being back for the bowl game um, it wasn't like a if he had gotten that in camp in a different season that, that wasn't a six game season um he said he probably would have been playing, maybe not the second half of the season, but but maybe the last few games or so. Um, but because it was the shortened season, he didn't play at all. Because of that, made it tough to tell what you were going to get from Alex Fontenot uh, this time around. Especially because the, the, the group was solid without him. and In particular, Jarek Broussard was really, really good without him. Jarek Broussard, after after uh, Alex Fontenot, was the second leading returning rusher in the Pac-12. Everybody better than him left, um, except for C.J. Verdell. Jarek Broussard turned out to be the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And so then you get to this season where 
things were more complicated. Um, some of those numbers that we were looking at, uh, actually his uh, his his yards uh, yards after contact per attempt that went down. His missed tackles forced per attempt that went down. Um, the the ten plus yards per attempt went down uh, as well. Uh, the the actually the split between the the zone system and the gap system that turned out he actually so he went from 146 zone carries to 56 zone carries he went from 37 carries in his in a gap scheme to 40 he actually went up even though he wasn't getting as many touches uh, so again you know what I think I think that they moved away from his strength in particular I think a lot of those were some trap runs uh, up up the middle um, which aren't you know, when used well, those are very valuable. You just need to know when to use them and when the defense expects them. In particular, figure out, you know, if if we need to give Alex Fontenot a break, maybe give him a break on the, the, the runs that aren't mentally intensive. You know, if there was a time to use a shot Clayton, it was on those little gap runs where you say, here's where you're going. The, the guard on the left side, he's going to come over and take the defensive tackle on the right side. Everybody else is moving up to the second level. You hit that hole between the center pinning down the other tackle and the pulling guard. Just go straight ahead. Just go to daylight. That uh, that might have been a better use for him. And again, I mean, I Ashad was banged up all season. There was frustration with the coaches because he, he was never able to play. Um, so there was a lot going on there. And again, with the offensive line performing how it performed, it's hard to to really pin anything on anybody, right? That's that's what happened with Colorado last year was they were just so bad in so many different ways that ranking who was bad and how is almost impossible. But what we do know is that everybody was bad. Um, was it mostly offensive line? Was it mostly play calling? How much responsibility the running backs have, the quarterbacks, all that stuff? It's tough to say. And so you look at these numbers and say, yeah, Alex Fontenot, was not as good last year. How much do you really blame him for that? In terms of the eye test, I think that there there was a little bit of a lack of explosion. I'm actually curious. So he he put on some weight, uh, and this is something that occasionally happens with running backs, um, or, or I mean athletes in general, not even just running backs. But in the 2019 season, six foot 195 pounds. Then the 2020 season, he puts on another 10 pounds. And then he has these injury problems in the lower half of his body. That's, again, something you see from athletes who play in sports where they need to be explosive. The extra weight can cause some issues. And you can't just say, that's what happened. That's that's why he had the injury. It kept him out all year. But you can't say that there is a history of players putting on weight and then having those injuries. Um, same weight this season. He said he liked playing with it. That's what he told me at least. Um, and because of that, maybe you lose a little bit of explosion. Maybe it helps you between the tackles a little bit more. I don't know that he needed it, but I don't know. I also understand that if you're a six foot, 195 pound back, that doesn't sound nearly as good to NFL coaches as six foot, 205. Again, you might be thinking, oh, is Alex Fontenot going to the NFL? Again, put up decent numbers, and every kid who's playing college sports is hoping to go pro. That's what they're trying to do. And you've got to put on that weight and make it work is the bottom line. So I do think that, that he might be just a little bit more fluid this time around, having a, a full off season after the recovery. Uh, I think that in terms of just like the purely statistical things, you expect him to be better. 
um, just because of the help around him. Even if he himself isn't better, you expect more out of him. But I do think that he is he is the number one. He is the number one back right now. I think that Ramon Jefferson's going to have something to say about that. I think Deion Smith's going to have something to say about that. I think that uh, Victor Venn wants to have something to say about that, but we'll see how it goes, right? We'll, we'll see if he is able to compete there. How does J. Lee Stacks fit into this offense? I have no idea, but there's the other name to look at. But as of right now, you do expect the conversation to start with Alex Fontenot this season. Um, he he will have the, the first opportunity to win the starting job because he's proven that he can handle the starting job before. Sure, they went 5-7 and seven in that season, but the running game was not the issue. Um, I think that that's most of my thoughts there. I think that that's most of my thoughts. Before we uh, get into what could change that and, and shake up this running back's room, I uh, I want to talk about a couple of our good friends. First of all, we love Breckenridge beers. We love Breckenridge seltzers. But what we love even more this summer is the fact that Breckenridge Brewery is teaming up with the National Parks Conservation Association. The tragic fires in Colorado were absolutely devastating for so many last year. And this is one of the many reasons that Breck is donating 1% of all their profits this summer to the National Parks Conservation Association. That's right. If you buy one pint or a pack of Breck brews, you are donating that 1% to our great outdoors. We'll be hosting fun events at the DMVR bar to promote this awesome collab. Come down and drink. Uh, you can uh, go away with some awesome swag from our friends at Breck Brew. Uh, you can also enter to win a $30,000 skate pod trailer. Um, that's breckbrew.com slash ingoodco, uh, and you'll get your chance to win the uh, $30,000 skate pod trailer. Good luck. Be sure to tag us and our friends at Breck Brew when you submit your entry to win. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, for the first time in a while, they are not doing a basketball promotion. Uh, they're actually putting something together for the Covington and Masvidal fight in the Octagon this Saturday at UFC 272. Sorry. Uh, the way it works is that DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is offering $100 in free bets if you bet $1 on the main event. It doesn't matter what you bet on. Uh, whether it's a first-round knockout, a majority draw, a double knockout resulting in a no-contest ruling. No matter what, whether you're right or wrong, you get $100 in free bets. Uh, that's a great deal. you remember, like, some of these previous ones, they offer $150 in promotions, but you have to be right. In this one, you don't have to be right. You can do any sort of bet you want on this fight, and if you uh, do that. You bet your $1, you'll get $100 in free bets. Again, this is on the UFC 272 main event. That's code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Also, want to remind you guys about Ripple. It's a fast-acting dissolvable the way that it works is you just tear off the top you pour it in any drink and uh, you drink it and within five or ten minutes usually you can uh, get get pretty high 
Uh, it's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Um, it starts absorbing within those 10 minutes. You can depend on a consistent experience every time. And with Ripple Dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. They're flavorless. They're dissolvable powders. Uh, they're the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it on your tongue if you want. Uh, Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever your experience you're looking for. There's no sketchy science here. Actually, uh, CSU, you know, say what you want about him, but they did a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. The results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. Uh, you can find Ripple at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade, with 10 and soon to be 11 starting tomorrow, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. They offer something for everyone, whether you're a casual consumer, whether you're a connoisseur, and podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with the code DMVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Okay, we've got a few more running backs to go through. Um, next up, let's let's hit on the other senior. The, the transfer from Sam Houston, Ramon Jefferson. Uh, so Ramon, like I said earlier, is a senior, is a red shirt. So this is, this is his final year. It's also the first time he's playing non-FCS football. Started at Maine, um, played pretty well there, but then wound up being a, a star at Sam Houston. And remember, those are good Sam Houston teams. Uh, those are the some of the top teams in the country. Uh, I think he I think he won a national championship while at Sam Houston, and again those those top level FCS teams they're competing with low end Power Five teams, uh, mid mid level Power Five teams. I mean we saw last year Montana. I love this story. Beat Washington. Um, again, Washington, not a great team last year, but Montana was like a quarterfinal team in the FCS playoffs. So there's, again, just a reminder, FCS football isn't always all that bad. Um, with Ramon Jefferson, though, you do have to take into account that not only was he playing against FCS defenders, but he did have one of the best offenses around him in the country. Um, so you can run through some of these comparisons, you know, with Alex Fontenot, for example. I feel like Alex Fontenot is a good baseline, right? We all we all know what it looks like um, when Alex Fontenot's out there running. Um, so for Fontenot, 2.82 yards after contact per attempt in 2019 dips to 2.53 this time around. Uh, oh wait, I was on Deion Smith. I was like, those numbers aren't what I expected. There you go. Uh, last season at Sam Houston, you're at 4.47 for Ramon Jefferson. Makes sense. He's 5'10", 210, just a bowling ball of a back. He wants to run guys over. Um, again, put up over 1,100 yards last year, 13 touchdowns, almost 7 yards per attempt. A really, really good running back at the FCS level. Um, you look at some of the other stuff. Um, worth, worth putting in this perspective. Last year, Alex Fontenot, 97 carries. It was 173 for Ramon Jefferson, so not quite double. But when you run through and say 14 forced missed tackles, well, for Ramon Jefferson, that was 85. Uh, so you, you double the 14, get to 28. Again, doesn't, doesn't really compare. 10-plus um, yard runs, 9 for Fontenot, 39 for Ramon Jefferson. 15-plus um, yard runs, 3 for Fontenot. Uh, 20 for Ramon Jefferson. It was 12 for Fontenot uh, when he was the full-time starter. So I think that that kind of paints a bit of the picture. Um, Ramon, just that bowling ball back. And I think it's it's easy to get excited about him, right? Because he, he did put up these superstar-type numbers while at Sam Houston 
but then you have to account for the change in the talent around him, the change uh, in talent on the other side of the ball. I think that it's, it's just really hard to project what Ramon Jefferson will be. But what we do know is the strength will be his ability to bounce off tacklers. And like Alex Fontenot, he is a zone runner. And I think that, first of all, these West Coast offenses, you'll sometimes see the power run at West Coast offense, but more often than not, they're zone running West Coast offenses, especially at this point. Uh, you think, at the, think of the most well-known offenses, the 49ers, the Packers, those sorts of things. Those are zone running offenses. The Rams are zone running offense. That's probably what we're going to be seeing um, with the Buffs this season. And honestly, the fact that they bring in Ramon Jefferson, of all the running backs in the portal, that's uh, that's just one more sign that points toward a lot of zone running. Um, just to put a number on it, he actually carried the ball 133 times in zone schemes, um, 40 times in a gap. So... Again, it, there's a very clear difference there. It's basically three to one, a little more than three to one, which is similar to Alex Fontenot a couple years ago. So I think that that helps paint that picture, and it'll be fun to see how Ramon can compete with uh, Alex because these two really are kind of the heavyweights in the room. And I do think that it's tough to say who is better just because they come from different backgrounds. Uh, so that's one we have to wait and see. One one running back we do know a lot about, though, that's Deion Smith. Um, a lot might not be fair, but at this point he does have 76 carries in his career. That's that's a pretty significant number. That's a lot more than what we saw from him um, or what I would think that we would have seen from him at this point, um, just considering what's been in front of him at the running back position. He was the, the clear number three back last year. Uh, was Jared Broussard one, Alex Fontenot two, then Dion Smith is the number three. Uh, Dion has a, a, a speed element to his game that I think is very valuable considering who the competition is, right? Because you you look at Alex Fontenot and say like, yeah, he 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 can he's not slow, but he doesn't have that elite speed that Dion Smith has and I think that that's what probably separates Dion and if he winds out breaking out that's probably the trait that that is going to make him do that um he's another one who had that pretty devastating knee injury um in missed the entire 2020 season because of it uh, comes back in 2021 and like Alex Fontenot I wouldn't be all that surprised if he winds up progressing just a little bit more in his recovery from that injury uh he also has been putting actually they don't list him any heavier i guess 2018 to 19 but no i mean i know that from 2019 to 2020 he gained weight and they haven't listed six foot 190 in both of those and i don't gain weight has like a negative connotation he put on muscle is what he did um and you could see the difference i'm pretty sure he told me at one point that he was up over 200 um so there's that going on as well. We'll see what he's listed at once uh, once spring ball starts. With Dion, though, um, you know, less productive after contact. Uh, we, we talked about the numbers with those other two guys. Um, oh, actually, they that was better than I expected. Two, 2.72 yards after contact per attempt. 
And again, only 53 attempts compared to more for these other guys. But remember, it's 253 for Fontenot this season. So actually better. Um, the, the missed tackles forced, there were nine in 53 attempts. Uh, for Fontenot, there were 14 in 97 attempts. So pretty pretty similar there. Dion coming out a little bit ahead, but with the small sample size, it's negligible. Um, 10 plus yard runs, again, the proportionate to the attempts, they're basically the same with five and nine. Um, the the scheme split actually more zone runs for Deion Smith, which again, I I I think of him more as a power runner. I don't think he's a bad zone runner. Um, I I don't. I wonder is there a way to sort? I don't think there is a way to sort by run type. Um, let me double check that. No, there is not, which is too bad. But I, you know, I'm I'm cool with either. Um, for Dion, I think Alex is a much better zone runner than he is a power scheme or gap scheme runner. Um, I think that that's probably what's most notable. So again, I mean, with Dion, we saw him take steps last season. In particular, I think that toward the end of the season, he did his best work. Um, that's when they really took the the leash off him a little bit. A uh, best game came against UCLA, ten carries, forty three yards. Um, I think you know he he hit thirty against Northern Colorado, hit twenty against Arizona, Oregon, Oregon State. This is this is a big year for him. You know, this is a guy who's been around for a few years now. He redshirted the twenty eighteen season and. So what does that mean? 18, 19, 20, 21. So this will be his fifth year on campus. Um, it, he'll have he'll be eligible to play again next season, the the twenty twenty three season because of that COVID year. But this guy is time to to carve out a niche for yourself if you're going to do that. And again, so fast, you see him change the angles on the edges, and I think that that could be something that's really valuable. Just needs to be able to push forward in the interior a little bit more. Um, when, when he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, is he is that a zero-yard run, or can he turn that into a one-yard gain? And those little things at the margins are, are what are missing from him, but what those other two guys have, even if they might not have the same top-end speed. So, Deion Smith, I'm certainly excited to see, uh, but I do think that as of right now, he probably does fit in as running back three. Um, from there... Uh, we go to Jaylee Stacks, who, you know, hasn't hasn't seen the field all that much. He has one carry in his two-year career. Um, it's actually a one-yard, or yeah, one carry for four yards with five yards after contact, which means he got hit a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so again, a, a lot of what he does is projection. Five uh, eleven, two thirty. Obviously, that's a, an exciting combination. It shows what sort of back he is. Uh, I think the the biggest question with Jay Lee is: Is he a running back or is he a fullback? And sometimes that that line, especially nowadays, isn't quite so clear. I think there's some guys who can kind of cross over. But what is he? You know, how is he best used? Because he is used as a lead blocker quite a bit more than he is, obviously, as a ball carrier. Um, we've heard Carl Durrell say that he reminds him of some of those more modern fullbacks, your Kyle Juszczyk type, where, yeah, he's a fullback, but also, if you need to use him as a third down back, you know, you're in the shotgun, he's your running back in the backfield, 
that's not a bad option because he can go and help with the pass protection and, and be really good at it. Uh, he also can catch the ball out of the backfield pretty well, and he has quicker feet than you'd expect for a big guy like that. Um, you know, are they quick enough for him to be somebody who you can give 10, 15 carries to in a game? I'm not sure. And if if they are, then all of a sudden you could get really excited about a back like Jaylee Stacks because he is kind of that in that Ramon Jefferson get downhill, be a bowling ball type of mold. Does he have the explosiveness to make that worth it? We haven't seen it. We haven't seen it. Um, but again, as a route runner, he's good. The ability to catch a ball in the flat and make somebody miss in space, honestly not that bad. Uh, the ability to obviously run somebody over and pick up extra yards, not that bad. Uh, but now that he's in his third year, how does he fit in? Uh, and that's uh, that's just the, the biggest question for him. Um, he hasn't used his redshirt year. He is a true sophomore. So three years of eligibility left. And again, it's kind of a wait and see. And then Victor Venn, maybe, I mean, probably the biggest unknown of the group. You could make a case for Jaylee Stacks or even Ramon Jefferson, I guess. But Victor Venn will be on campus for spring camp. Um, he He's an early enrollee, part of the 2022 recruiting class. Yeah, that's 2022. It's hard to remember some of those years. Um, but he's a pure speed back, pure speed back. The, the kid can fly. He's from Georgia, 5'9", 175. And we'll see if he's able to to provide anything as a freshman. You know, the way I see it is it seems kind of unlikely just because he is such a small back. Um, you know, 175 pounds, if you get hit the wrong way, which over the course of the game you're likely to probably if you're a starting running back at that size, that could be uh, the, the type of hit that at least keeps you out for a series or two, but could also keep you out for multiple games. Um, the top end speed is big. He is a zone runner, um, somebody who has good vision, can find the hole, can can kind of be patient, bounce around a little bit, and then bang, hit that hole and get upfield. Is he ready? We'll see. I mean, the, the fact that Jarek Broussard was able to be so productive at, at his size it's it's a positive. And, you know, Victor Venn has said on this podcast that that's something that helped make it easier for him to come to Colorado, just seeing Jarek's success. Um, so you can't count him out, but it would be a bit of an upset to see him out there early in his career. I think that you probably look at next year when you say, okay, Ramon Jefferson is gone. Alex Fontenot is gone. Dion Smith, Jaylee Stacks, Victor Venn, those are your returning backs. You'll likely add somebody from the portal. You definitely, I mean, they, they did add uh, Anthony Hankerson in this class, a running back who had offers to Georgia and LSU and a bunch of those. He's going to gray shirt, which means he's not going to get on campus until next spring. Uh, so he is not going to count against the scholarship limit. He also obviously can't play, but but then starting next spring ball, he'll be around and he'll he'll be a factor in that conversation as well um again you add a couple recruits you add a transfer so next year is probably more realistic but the fact that he's on campus this spring that's a nice little start and who knows maybe they can find a way to get him some touches and get him involved Um, but even as a kick returner the size scares you the size has to scare you um so so there's kind of the overview there's what you're looking at in terms of the the five backs who will be out there for spring ball um, in Alex Fontenot, Ramon Jefferson. Actually, now that I think of it, 
I'm I'm not so sure Ramon Jefferson is going to be there. I actually remember now that he's not um, because we were talking about how he, he has some training facilities down in Houston that he goes to, and that's where he's going to be all spring, then join over the summer. Um, so I guess that opens up the competition a little bit more for those other guys, right? With Jay Lee, with uh, Dion, and with uh, Victor. So there's where that stands. If I had to take a stab, we're, get, we're just going to separate this into a couple different categories. Um, and first is just your, your starting running back. Who's the guy first and 10 you want out there? Might be single back, probably something like that. 11 personnel under center, who do you want? I'm going to say that the ranking is going to go... Uh, Fontenot, Jefferson, Smith. And those are your top three. Um, it's the, the tougher decision as of right now is between Fontenot and Jefferson. Um, although again, Dion is very much in this conversation as well in terms of third down backs. Uh, I, I lean, let's go Fontenot Smith Jefferson. And the reason that Fontenot's number one is because he is very good in pass protection and has, you know, caught some passes as well. Dion, again, with his explosiveness, it's pretty easy to to see him in that role. And then Ramon Jefferson actually graded out pretty well as a pass protector too. Maybe not quite the... It, bowling ball backs don't have the length, you know? They, they don't have the the catch radius that you you look for. And that's not to say he couldn't do that, but if I had to take a stab right now, I'd go, I'd go Fontenot and then Smith and then Jefferson. But... I think that that's probably the biggest question is how does this conversation shake out? Because like I said before, Jaylee Stacks, not a bad option in those situations because he can pass protect and he can provide some things in the passing game as well. So you have to keep an eye on him. Victor Venn, so fast, so quick. And actually, you know, that versatility I know was a big reason he wound up at Colorado. That's one of the reasons the coaching staff here was so interested in him. Um, so I do think eventually he's a receiving back. I left him out of the top three just because, like we said, he's a freshman, and beyond that, he's a 175-pound freshman. Uh, so you can't count him out totally, but I think that if you had to take a stab now, that's how you do it. And then in terms of short yardage, in terms of short yardage, I think that it's it's got to be Jefferson and then Fontenot. And from there, is it Jaylee Stacks or Deion Smith, who's your number three option? Um, obviously the, the, the case for Jay Lee is that he's the big fullback type, 230 pounds. He can go get you a tough yard. Um, Dion better pure running back. Uh, but I think that I would give that number three to Dion just because you probably want Jay Lee playing fullback in that situation. Um, unless you're pulling Brady and putting him there. Uh, but so that's kind of how I see this shaking out again. We're going to learn quite a bit during spring practice. You know, there's, it's, not all non-contact. There's some contact periods. Obviously, the spring game is the spring game. But for running backs, you know, it, it, isn't, it isn't quite so easy to simulate uh, playing real games. You know, you, you look at the battles between the receivers and the cornerbacks. You know, can the quarterbacks make the reads out there? Like, obviously, maybe not so much pressure on the quarterbacks as they'll see in games. Um, but that spring camp information for some of those positions is probably more valuable because you're not going to the ground as often for running backs and those sorts of things. But we'll still hear quite a bit. Guys will say, oh, yeah, Victor had a great run today. Or, uh, wow, Dion's really making guys miss out there. 
and we'll start to get a piece of the picture. And hopefully by the time the season comes around, we'll, we'll have a good sense over the summer from uh, the spring camp, and then we'll have an even better sense after fall camp, and then we'll see who's actually out there on the field and, and how they perform once the season starts. But this first piece starts in less than a month now. So it's exciting stuff for sure. Um, I feel I feel good about this group. Um, the losses, I mean, the, the big loss is um, obviously Jarek Broussard. And you feel a lot better about the group if he was back. But considering he's not back, I, I think that Ramon is a really great addition. I think that he's somebody who you can look to to do kind of whatever you need him to do. Um, I think that he's a very versatile back. I think that if you want him to carry the ball 30, 35 times, he can handle that. If you want him to be just your power back, he can handle that. You need him to pass protect, he can handle that. Just having a veteran like that in the room who ha- has so much experience and has been so productive, that's going to be big for Colorado. Um, and, it, and it raises the floor of that room, and it also raises the ceiling just because he, we've seen him be really productive. And who knows? Maybe that just translates. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, and with Fontenot, again, just a very stable back. And with those two at the top, you can feel good about it. With the speed of Dion there's a chance that he breaks out and all of a sudden you have a really good player on your hands. Victor Van, he could be ready early. Jaylee Stacks, who knows? Maybe he turns out to be kind of this X-factor weapon type for Colorado that that we'll be excited to watch for a few years. So solid group. Again, not not as exciting as when you have Jarek Broussard and Ashad Clayton back there, a four-star recruit. Um, But still a, a good group and probably one of the better groups on the roster. Uh, a pretty average group, I guess. Yeah, probably pr- right around the middle. Um, I think that. I think that, that basically sums it up. Uh, that that's it for the running backs, and we'll be talking about more positions. We'll be talking about basketball, all that sort of stuff. Buffs don't play again till Saturday, so we got some time to kill. Um, I'm not sure what my plan is. I think we'll we'll definitely be talking basketball at various points this week. I I can say that for sure. Um, also, though, like I was, I was actually supposed to go on the Pac-12 Series XM channel tonight, uh, but they uh, they they got Tad instead, and I guess getting Tad on the radio is better than getting me on the radio. Whatever. Um, but but I'll be up at practice because I'm actually I'll be at practice Thursday, assuming there is a practice Thursday. I actually haven't checked that uh, because I am going on the Pac-12 network Thursday night to talk about everything, um, and then. I'll probably find another day this week. So, I don't know. We'll talk about basketball when we talk about basketball is the point. We got some football stuff that we can start talking about too. And uh, we'll be back to talk very soon.